The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, I talked to Brennan Anderson, listener of the podcast, who was at the Disney parks during the first week of opening. We talk about what his experience was like, some practical tips, and just how strange it is to be in the parks right now. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate positive reviews. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WWDeciphered on Twitter, and on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. If you like bonus content, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered. Or, if you're planning a trip, you can let Joe be your travel agent free of charge to you. Email me, josephchung at travelmation.net to start planning your vacation. Thanks, and enjoy the show. All right, so I'm here with Brennan Anderson. He was at Disney World during opening week. He checked out the Animal Kingdom annual pass holder preview, but then also was in the parks for a bunch of days uh, the week that it opened, including on opening day. So Brennan, we're really excited to hear your experience in the parks. Thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. This is awesome. Brennan's been a longtime listener, so we appreciate that as well, of course. And so, you know, why don't you start by just talking about uh, your background, where are you based, uh, your kind of Disney fandom. Let, let us know all those details. Yeah, my wife and I live in Sarasota, so it's about, uh, about an hour 30, hour 45 from Disney World. And yeah, we got annual passes earlier this year. So we had we had annual passes for a couple months before before COVID hit, and you know obviously the par- parks closed down and everything. Both of us had been Disney fans uh, pretty much our whole lives. I grew up most years growing up. My family had passes. Going back now just gives like all the nostalgia of when we were growing up and all the great stuff. So still a little sore that they that they took out Maelstrom and and put in Frozen, but <laughs> that's one that my my wife and I kind of kind of go back and forth on because she's. She she loves the Frozen ride, and I'm I'm just a little nostalgic for uh, for the trolls and and everything from Maelstrom. True Disney family disagreements, <laughs> right there. Right, right. So, like, you are an annual pass holder. Was it always your plan, like, when the parks were to reopen, to get back there? We wanted to get back as soon as possible, just because we missed it so much. But we, I don't think we would have gone if if we felt it would be unsafe. We were we were paying really close attention you know, in kind of the weeks leading up to the reopening to what everybody was saying about like the precautions that Disney was taking. And we felt pretty good ab- about that. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I'm on record saying that if I could teleport directly into the parks from Massachusetts, I would feel pretty safe there. Obviously, cases have been spiking in Florida and stuff like that. But as a Florida resident, you know, how did it feel going to Disney, I guess, compared to like the rest of your daily life in Florida, uh, safety wise? Yeah, no, it, it, they're definitely taking things much more seriously there in Disney. In Disney is is really the first place that I've actually seen people enforcing the mask requirements. You know, most most stores and places in our area have mask requirements, but really if somebody walks in without a mask, nobody's doing anything. 
Whereas at Disney, they're, from what we could tell, they are very, very strict about it. My wife um, had just finished up a, uh, uh, a Mickey Mouse ice cream and we were walking into a shop and she like had just thrown away the, the ice cream stick and was about to pull her mask up. And, you know, somebody was like, right on it, please, please, you know, pull up your mask. And they're very friendly about it. Nobody was was confrontational or, or rude, but they're very strict about the mask requirement. Let's talk about that a little bit. By the way, you know, I think since you guys were there, they've just updated the rule. Like now, I assume she was walking and eating um, with her mask off. Now they're saying that if you're going to eat with your mask off, you have to be stationary. So they just updated. I, I think that. it's because yeah. of, because of uh, food and wine. So let's talk about this whole mask thing. Obviously, it was like a billion degrees, and you were wearing masks all the time outside. How was that process? It sounds like the CMs were enforcing it, so you had to be in masks. So is it was it bearable? Was it doable? It was not as bad as we thought it would be. We were used to wearing masks for just, you know, kind of short periods when we would run to the store and, you know, it would be mostly air conditioning. Um, so this was really like our first experience wearing masks for hours at a time in the Florida heat. And it was really not as bad as we thought it would be. That being said, I think the longest we were at a park for, for one stretch, um, I think about five hours was as, as long as we lasted. And after that, we were ready to just head back and jump in the pool at the hotel or just kind of cool off in the AC for a while. But overall, it was it was really not not as bad as we expected, especially because there were throughout the parks, there's uh, several different they call relaxation areas where they have areas like at least six feet apart where people can just relax, take off their masks, usually in the shade where it's kind of cool. And then obviously, if you have food or drink, as long as you're at least six feet away from other people, you can kind of you know, take your mask off and take a break for a little bit. You didn't spend a ton of time in each park per day. And that's because um, you were there for like almost a full week, right? So why don't you tell us, you know, what parks did you get to? Like how many days did you get to each park? I know you doubled up for a couple of them. What are the different parks you hit over the course of a week or so? Yeah, so we were there from Sunday through Friday, and we were able to hit all four parks. And then we, uh, we did Magic Kingdom twice as well. So we did Magic Kingdom the first day we got there, I think around three o'clock in the afternoon. And actually almost, we were almost able to ride everything at Magic Kingdom the Sunday afternoon that we got there from, from three o'clock until I, I think it closed at seven or eight because there was just so, so few people there. It was really a cool experience. Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about the different parks out of the four parks. Were any of them, I guess, more difficult in terms of social distancing and lines and things like that? Like, did any of them feel like more crowded than the others? Yeah. Hollywood Studios, for sure, was definitely the most crowded out of the four. It's kind of just a weird park anyway, in the way that it's laid out. You know, it's not a real, there's a lot of people going back and forth all different directions. It's not some... It's a lot of backtracking. Yeah. It's not as logical as... uh you know, Magic Kingdom or, or Epcot, you kind of just work your way in a circle. Hollywood Studios, you're kind of going, going everywhere. And so there were kind of a, a few places where there was a bottleneck, where there was, you know, a bunch of people trying to move in one direction, especially around, you know, Runaway Railway that just opened pre-COVID for a few weeks. Like then, a week, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that one, that one had a little bit of a, a crowd, especially because all of the queues are extended so far because there's there's six foot markers in the queues. So the queues, you know, extend out to the park a lot of times, you know, if it's a really busy ride. Same thing with Rise of the Resistance. Really the uh, the only time that we didn't see social distancing being being done really well was when we were in line for Rise of the Resistance and it just a, a torrential Florida 
thunderstorm downpour just just came out of nowhere and everybody just kind of panicked and the queue starts outside and then kind of winds its way inside and right where the overhang started everybody just kind of crowded in there as as close as they could so that was that was really the only time that uh the social distancing kind of went out the window yeah i imagine like stores and stuff like that get the same uh whenever it's pouring so uh you kind of got to be ready for that so in terms of the lines and stuff like that, they have the markers. What was your experience in terms of whether people were doing a good job of standing on those markers? And then because of that, I saw some pictures. Like it does seem like the lines will extend like into the actual physical park because, you know, because of the markers, it like kind of spreads out. And then when it even gets kind of backed up out of where the normal queue would be, do they have markers there as well? Or how does that kind of work? Yeah. So for a ride like like Flight of Passage, they actually had queue markers all the way out of Pandora. So like all the way... You mean the table you know, literally, the Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Literally outside of the land. That way, if the line went out that long. Now, when we were at Animal Kingdom, we never waited more than 10 or 15 minutes for Flight of Passage, which was amazing. Insane. It's yeah. Insane. Yeah. We wrote it just over and over. I think we wrote it four times, like back to back, which was was crazy because like previously, you know, since January that we had passes, we've gone, I don't know, maybe, maybe close to a six or eight times before COVID. And we were never actually able to get a fast pass or, you know, and, and we didn't want to wait in line the 180 minutes or whatever for Flight of Passage, which, so it was awesome to be able to ride it for basically no wait. Uh, with the markers, they did, they extend them out, you know, six feet in between all the way out into kind of into the park quick aside like flight of passage is one of my favorite cues to walk through but not for 180 minutes so you know when you're going through 10 15 minutes i don't don't know was that your first time in the actual queue like how did you like the queue i assume they run through you know the lab and the caves and all that yeah we actually we did ride it before we had passes and we did wait like i think we waited three hours for it because it, it had just opened and we had to ride it. But yeah, being able to walk on it, the queue went the exact same way, like through the lab and, and all that cool stuff. And it's it's an awesome queue, just really well designed. One of our favorite things about the parks not being so crowded is we were able to notice so many more details while we were just walking around the parks because we're not just, we weren't constantly um, trying to not bump into people and we were able to like look around and notice details that we hadn't seen before. Like I never knew in Toy Story Land that there's like on the pavement there's actual um, look like shoe prints, like giant shoe prints on the on the pavement of Toy Story Land that we just hadn't noticed before because it's usually wall to wall with people. Yeah, those little details. You're right. Like you can only see them when uh, there's not too many people around. Before we move on from the cues and stuff like that. You know, a lot has been made of the plexiglass for when there's like switchbacks and stuff in the queue. It seems pretty great to me, but, you know, in your actual experience, did you feel like that was something that made you guys feel more comfortable while you're going through the queues or um, yeah, definitely. Like window dressing? It seemed a little arbitrary to me where they actually put it because uh, it was definitely not on every switchback. And I'm sure they, they put more thought into it than I have, but it did seem a little arbitrary, like where they were, but they seemed to be seemed to be effective. And what was cool is they did it in a way that really didn't take away from the ambience of the ride, like the styling and and all that stuff. I think they they did it in a really, really cool way that didn't take away from kind of putting you in in the story. Yeah, I saw they were like matching colors, which, uh, you know, is 
the little touches. I appreciate those details. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, you know, you were there for about a week. So I'm curious, like, what did the fellow guests seem like? Did it seem like there were like fewer kids? I don't know if you could tell if there were like AP holders or obviously people don't wear like Florida armbands or anything. So you don't know whether they're from Florida or whatever. But I'm just curious, like whether the general makeup of the parks, which obviously were much more empty, felt similar to normal or you know how that felt? Uh, I would say it, it did feel similar to normal. We were expecting to see fewer kids, but I think proportionally, you know, obviously there was a lot fewer people, but I think there was, yeah, I think there was proportionally just like the same number of kids. And I overheard quite a few people you know, mentioning like where they were from. And we talked to a few people like standing in line who were from out of town. Uh, talked to several people from Michigan, a couple from Kentucky. Uh, so I was surprised the number of people that came from out of town. Yeah, actually week one, that's a little surprising to me too. I, I figure more will come as the summer rolls on, but we kind of didn't know what it was going to be like that first week. So that's interesting. <laughs> Did you notice less parents yelling? I wonder if Parents were yelling at their kids less because there were lower crowds and there's less stress, less line waiting and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure you've observed parents and their kids oh, getting yeah. into things in the park. <laughs> so I don't know if you uh, noticed whether that was less than usual. Yeah, it, it really seemed like it. There were um, fewer tempers flaring just because, well, I think for the reason that, you know, you're able to do all the rides that you want to do within just a few hours. And then, you know, you're probably able to head back to the pool or head back to the room for naps or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. If you don't need to do a forced march of happiness to do everything that you want to do, people are probably actually genuinely more happy. So, so let's yeah. talk about the rides. You know, what are some of your most memorable ride experiences, whether it be like, I guess you already said you got to ride Flight of Passage four times in a row. So I'm sure that's memorable. But, you know, in terms of getting back, you know, what are some of the experiences that you most enjoyed doing again after so many months? Okay, so probably the funniest one was not actually that enjoyable. It was it was kind of strange. So we were at Magic Kingdom on the first day. And like I said, it was totally empty. And like literally two minutes before the park closed, we sprinted over to Haunted Mansion. And we were not only the only people like in line for Haunted Mansion, we were the only people in Liberty Square. Like there was no one anywhere. And it was just kind of... Starting to get dark, there was one cast member at the entrance, and you know they're they're already pretty reserved anyway. They don't really talk a whole lot at, at Haunted Mansion. So there was one cast member at the entrance, and then the next cast member we saw was at the ride vehicles. So we're going through Haunted Mansion by ourselves, and it was the stretching room. Like you just walk through, and yeah, walk through the entire thing. There was nobody really like directing you where to go. We, we were literally the only ones on the ride. And honestly, it was it was kind of spooky. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, was, was was a little scary because we're winding through the entire queue and we don't see a soul and it's kind of dark. <laughs> we get on the ride and go through the entire ride and there is no one. Like, we were the only people on the ride at that time. It was funny, kind of like, we had to go back and, and redeem the ride later in the trip just because we didn't want to <laughs> leave with the, the spooky Haunted Mansion experience. I guess the lack of crowds can be detrimental if it's uh, too low. And yeah. It's, it's yeah. got to be like surreal, right? Just being in right. a place like the Magic Kingdom and like having – because it's already weird late at night on a busy day. You know, when there's not that many people there, but like to be with like nobody, I, I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. 
it, it was pretty cool most of the time. That was just kind of a weird experience. But yeah, speaking to the crowds, we noticed, and might have just been coincidence, but I think they're they're playing the music louder at Epcot to kind of you know make up for the fact that there's not a ton of crowd noise. I think they're just like trying to do some extra stuff to make it seem a little more alive in there because there's just so few people. Huh, it's like the fake crowd noise at the uh, sports, <laughs> the soccer the sports games yeah. now and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other memorable ride experiences or did you like go to any shows, any of the indoor shows? I know they're like blocking off seats. I don't know if you had any experience with anything like that. Yeah, we did several of the shows. They did a really, really good job blocking off. They block off every other row. And then generally every, I think they've been blocking off three seats for every five in between the seats. So that seemed to work out pretty well, you know, especially with the low crowds. Everybody was just able to able to kind of spread out. Uh, we went to Hall of Presidents, Carousel of Progress, and then a couple of the shows at Epcot. Uh, what I did find strange, and you may know the reason, I'm not sure, is that they didn't have any of the shows at Hollywood Studios. And originally we thought, oh, it's because of social distancing and you know they're just not gonna have any shows anywhere. But then they had the shows at all the other parks, you know, they had Tough to Be a Bug and The American Adventure, Hall of Presidents, all those kind of similar shows to the shows at Hollywood Studios. But for some reason, they didn't have those. Yeah, my guess for that one is it seems like shows that involve humans acting are the ones that are shut down. So like all the ones at Hollywood Studios, it's not like animatronics or anything like that. Oh, true. But, you know, Hall of Presidents, they were human once and of course, some of them are still with us, but you know they're not humans acting right. and carousel progress and stuff like that. Um, so that, that's my guess. You know, I think they are concerned about the actors, um, oh, but that's true. you know, I'm not a, I'm not 100 percent sure. All right, a couple of practical questions for you. First, Leslie and I are thinking that at this very point in time, rope dropping is not a necessity and perhaps is even like a detriment for the park. So I know you had that late Magic Kingdom day, but in general, like, did you try to rope drop? I guess with Epcot, it's also like really weird because it doesn't open till like 11 o'clock. But, you know, in terms of rope dropping, when to show up at the parks and things like that, do you have any practical advice or what worked for you when you were there? So the only one that we got there right at open or close to open was Hollywood Studios. Got there, I think maybe five or 10 minutes after rope drop. For the most part, we noticed at the parks crowds seem to be peaking around two or three hours after the open and then in the afternoon things just completely fell off because I assume most people did all that they wanted to do and decided to head out so we tended to get there in the afternoon around two three o'clock and had plenty of time to do everything that we really wanted to do yeah and the next practical question rise of the resistance i know they're doing boarding groups at 10 1 and 4 some people have had glitches although it seems like it's gone pretty smoothly and i know you only had one shot at it because you were only there one day but what was your experience with the new i guess rise of the resistance i guess they're calling it a virtual queue now not boarding groups anymore it's i don't know i'm not comfortable with the terminology yet but you know what was your experience with that well when we got there uh, obviously we were too late uh, to get a boarding group for the for the first drop of them we saw there must have been must have been some issues we saw a line of about 50 people lined up at guest relations and i went over and like asked them hey what, what are you guys what are you guys in line for here what's what's going on and they said oh we couldn't get our rides of the resistance boarding group but then when we uh, when we got ours at at one o'clock we we jumped on the app and we were uh, ready to go a couple of minutes ahead of time. We didn't have any trouble getting a boarding group, though the people across from us, we were sitting down having some lunch and the people across from us, 
um, seemed to be having issues uh, with theirs. I don't know if they were able to to get one, but it was pretty easy. And I really, I really prefer staggering the boarding groups like that. I think it's it's great to not have to get there, you know, 30 minutes or an hour before the park open to to try to snag one. Uh, and it definitely helps with social distancing because everybody would crowd into the park and try to snag the the boarding groups before they all went away for the day previously. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea and good on Disney. <laughs> I was afraid. Well, I don't know if I was afraid because I probably would have abused it. But I was curious whether they would like limit each person to only go on once. Because you know, if you let if you let people sign up at ten, one, and four, then uh, it could get bad. But you know, yeah. they're they're smart enough to uh, see around that. All right, next question in terms of eating and stuff like that. How did the mobile order process go for you? I know sometimes they like kind of shut down mobile ordering to like slow things down. Did you experience that at all? Or did you eat at off times? You know, any advice in terms of mobile ordering? And yeah, mobile ordering was was really easy for the most part. I think we used it um, three or four times. And yeah, I mean, it was a really easy process. You just we would jump on the app and order ahead of time. And then I think it had a, uh, a button to click when you've arrived. And then it would tell you the the lane to get in to go uh, pick up your food. It was really just a pretty seamless process and was pleased to see that they, they allow Disney gift cards for mobile ordering now, oh, which really? I think may have not, I don't that's think it new. was an option before. Yeah, I'm okay. sure that's new. Yeah. It feels new. Yeah. So that was nice. Uh, Cause we like to buy Disney gift cards ahead of time and uh, just kind of get a discount there. So that was, yeah. that was nice to see. Yeah, and then the whole lane thing, that's new too, because mobile order used to just be like one lane, but obviously they can't do it Oh, now. right, yeah. I mean, is it, can you only mobile order now or can you still line up in a... The first place we we used it was Satuli Canteen in Pandora. We tried to just walk in and, and grab food. They said, you have to mobile order and then you can pick it up. So it was only mobile order there. I think there was a couple places that were still, that you could still walk up and you didn't have to mobile order, but the... The majority of them, I would say, were mobile order only. Epcot, obviously, most places were still just walk up, like around the world, which kind of a funny story about that. We went to the Food and Wine Festival, which, in my opinion, it's a little disingenuous to call it food and wine. It's kind of, um, it, in my opinion, it's flower and garden without all the flowers. It's not really a full food and wine. So it's all the leftovers, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's kind of the same stuff that was open for flower and garden they've switched up the menus a little bit and you can see there's probably half of the booths were not open there's new booths that they said are coming in the fall for food and wine and so those weren't open so it's a little funny to call it food and wine it was great great experience great great food and stuff it was a little uh, a little funny too to not have the actual people from the countries at each of the booths so the um the big tent type building that they have set up by Canada over there. There's a bunch of different vendors in there, you know, from um, not necessarily countries, but uh, kind of based on theme. Funny story. One of them, one of the options on on the menu was a spinaca. How do you, let's see. I got to remember how to, because I had looked up the actual spen. Spanaka. Yes. Yes. The, uh, the Greek, the Greek pastry with spinach and feta. And my wife went up and ordered it. And the lady, the lady at the front was like, what, what do you want? Spanaka pita. I just looked it up. Oh, the, the Spanish pita. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. 
yeah, it was it was pretty funny. And she's, to my wife to be fair, like, there yeah, wouldn't sure. be Greek there wouldn't be Greek cast members anyway, or not you know part of True. the international True. program. But yeah, Spanish pita is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're not that we're any better because right. it was so right. hard for us to pronounce it. So um, yeah, Spanakopita. Spanakopita. Ah, you got that's it. it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> everyone like everyone's throwing their phones out the window already. You know? Right. They're yeah. like, uh, they're like these guys, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, all right. So last question, you know, it sounds like you felt like it was worth it for you, but who would you recommend visiting Disney world right now? Like, you know, for what types of people do you think this experience is worth it? Cause you know, I think, you know, you definitely had to think about whether it felt safe enough and stuff like that. And I think, you know, all of us in the country are debating, you know, we have different tolerance levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, who would you recommend Disney world to right now? Yeah, I would I would definitely not recommend it for someone who's going for that, you know, once every five years trip or like their first time ever, because there is still a lot of stuff that's that they're not doing. You know, obviously the the fireworks that was it's kind of a, a little disappointing to just, you know, there's nothing to end the night. You just get off your last ride and then everything's closed and you walk out. There's not like a nothing to, to kind of end the night. So I think that kind of detracts from the experience a little bit if you've never been before and experienced that stuff the people that i would say this is the perfect time to go is you know if you've been before and if parades aren't really your thing the fireworks you know take them or leave them if you're really into rides this is the absolute best time that that i've ever gone i mean there's just so few people and we've said multiple times I would 100% take the masks and the heat and the humidity with no crowds over, um, I think we went over uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, weekend earlier this year, and it was just wall-to-wall people and crazy, you know, three-hour waits for mine train and flight of passage and everything. And we would definitely choose this over over that experience. So people who are really into rides, or if you're into just you know, having a lot of space to just walk around and not be um, bumping into people, especially at food and wine. It was a great experience, even with the masks, you know, and the kind of the restrictions in place there. Food and wine was a really great experience because, you know, sometimes the lines for those popular booths at food and wine can be, can wait 45 minutes for a margarita or something. So that was definitely nice. Uh, Yeah, I would say people who are, or who have been before and are really just, just there for the rides it's a it's a great time awesome so uh before we wrap up brennan we like to end with a disney do or don't as you know do you have a disney do or don't for us yeah my my disney do would be um if you're able to get uh disney photo pass it's included with the annual passes um but if you don't have it i would i would encourage you to to get it because there's never been a better time to get really great pictures with just uh just you in the picture uh, because of the low crowds um you could have a picture with just yourself in the castle or you know walking around the world we got we got great pictures all around all around epcot and really at every park and there was no wait for the photographers which was awesome yeah and i know that like people don't love the idea of taking these pictures with masks on but i don't know if it's like weird of me but it's you know this is this is a defining moment in i mean human civilization so it's not like the worst thing to i guess have that um for posterity even though you know obviously we ideally want to take pictures with masks on Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brennan. It's been great talking to you about your trip. You know, how can people contact you? Also, I know you're a wedding videographer. So if anyone's in Florida, they should hit you up. You know, how can people contact you? How can people, if they want to connect with you, uh, hear from you more? 
Um, yeah, you can uh, message me on Twitter. I'm at missionmediavid, or you can send me an email, missionmediavideo at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. This has been a blast. Yeah, and if you're not going to plug yourself, if you, need, if you need a wedding videographer and you're, uh, do you do like all of Florida pretty much? Like will you travel? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much all of Florida, primarily West Coast, but I'll, I'll travel wherever. We know you guys are rescheduling your weddings, so, you know. <laughs> You're going to need someone to videotape that, so hit Brendan up. Anyway, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a blast talking to you and a blast connecting with you in real life. I know we've only talked online before, so. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. It's been a blast. (laughs) All right, take care.